Knowing Jesus is the central issue in life. Not merely knowing about him, not simply studying about him, not just analyzing, critiquing, or debating about him, but knowing him. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. Knowing Christ personally, as he is revealed in scriptures, transforms our lives. Join us in our Jesus Up Close series as we learn from men and women who had face-to-face -face encounters with Jesus. We hope you enjoy. <laughs> I, I, I saw that video for service and I'm like, I feel like we're clubbing. Some of you have to Google that and see what that means. Uh, I've just heard about it. I don't know. Hey, uh, my name is Rob Denton, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. And I want to say, Happy New Year. And I also want to congratulate you, because you have been to church every Sunday this year. <laughs> Give yourself a pat on the back. Uh, Doug Hiller needs some help on what that meant, but Michelle, you got that right. But here's the deal. Uh, what, why not ruin a good uh, habit here? So let's keep coming, and uh, we are blessed that you're here. I don't know if you're <laughs> like me. Well, praise God, you're not like me. Can I hear an amen? amen. Wow, some of those were a little too passionate. But, um, you know, uh, I was thinking as I was bringing in the new year, going to sleep at 8 o'clock. Yeah, I didn't even make it to the East Coast. But um, I was thinking, like, 2024, that's crazy. Like, some of you weren't even born. And I was thinking, so much has changed just in 24 years. And so um, I was thinking about some stuff as I was writing the sermon. And then, of course, I went to the internet to validate it. <laughs> because the internet said it was true, then it must be true, right? But I was thinking things like, you know, just things that have changed. Like, I used to come home from work, and then I'd push this button. You know what I'm talking about? It was called the message machine. Oh, yeah, I remember that. You know, you like, see if anyone called, right? Uh, internet. Uh, it was still shiny and new 20, 20, uh, 24 years ago. And um, do you remember what it was like connecting to the internet? Dial up. And just as you were ready to connect, someone called you on the landline and screwed it all up. Again, some of you have zero idea of what I'm talking about, but your parents and grandparents will tell you about this kind of stuff. You know, I was thinking, um, like, even 24 years ago, and I checked this you know, I checked to make sure I was right. When you went to a restaurant, the hostess would say, smoking or non-smoking. Yeah. And I always, I always found that weird, like as if the smoke knew exactly where to stop, you know, in the, in the restaurant, right? Um, but there's, there's all sorts of things. Uh, um, <laughs> I will, I'll close on this one. Um, Friday nights weren't a Friday night unless you found yourself at Blockbuster. Oh, yeah, right? And yeah, your, your, your weekend was based on whether you got there early enough to get the new releases or not, right? And then get some of that microwave popcorn, and you were set, all right? Well, things have changed. Would you agree? A lot of things have changed in the last 24 years. And, and, and I was thinking, you know, what got this started was, oh my gosh, remember, we weren't going to get our money and everything was going to crash and our computers weren't going to be able to change. And that was Y2K. Well, here we are. <laughs> but here's one thing I know. With all the changes, the scripture says this in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus... It's the same yesterday, 
today and forever. Amen? Let's, let's read that together. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. And, and those of you that are watching online, I want you to be shouting it from wherever you're at without getting in trouble with the neighbors or somebody. Let's do this one more time. Ready? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so grateful that you've given us another year. And we're so grateful, Lord, as a church, that the doors are open, the lights are on, and that you continue to station your angels around this campus to protect this church and this school. May we continue to be faithful. And Lord, may we continue to look to your son, Jesus Christ, who is the same today, yesterday, and forever. God, help me to preach your word with truth, with conviction, with strength, with compassion. God, help us to receive your word and be inspired and encouraged. And maybe life change would happen as a result of your words. God, you do your thing. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. I want to remind you of that passage that we've quoted a few times already this morning. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I do pray as one of your pastors that this passage uh, brings comfort to your heart and to your mind, that it reminds you of what is important and what is not. But I share this because every year we have a tradition at our church that we have a theme for the year. Last year was anchored. And uh, in just a moment, I'll share this year's. And, and, and how this happens is throughout the year, I'm watching, I'm seeing what's going on in our world, what's going on in our church, and I'm just begging God, what is it that you want us to focus in on? You know, one year it's been, uh, you know, grace changes everything. Uh, the one uh, year that really, <laughs> just a lot of history behind it was the year amazed. And a lot happened that year. But I, I put all that together and then, uh, sometimes it's towards the end of the year, and then sometimes it comes sooner. And this year it came really soon. It was in October where I first started thinking about this because I was reminded of what was coming in 2024. I hate to bring the bad news to you, but this is an election year. <laughs> and uh, I see one person cheering, the rest are moaning. But, uh, but, but the truth is, it is what it is. And, and, and so um, reminded of what happened last time, it was actually during um, a lot of craziness that was going on our, in our world. Uh, we had the pandemic, the very early stages of the pandemic. We had the Black Lives Matter and a lot of racial tension happening. And then we had the political craziness all at the same time. You remember all that? And I remember we were meeting as a church out on the lawn for that entire year and just fear and chaos just seemed to be inside the church and outside the church. And so it was always felt like I had to keep saying, you know, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. And that we've already won as a church and we've won as Christians and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But with that, I, I, I just, and I'm not, I'm, I'm just being realist. I'm not projecting anything. I'm not foretelling anything. I'm just a human being living on the same earth as you are. But unless some crazy thing happens and there's a big, huge revival in the next week or two, which can happen, um, the way our society is, is that it's just going to get uglier. 
with the political stuff coming. And all of a sudden, the race stuff's going to come up, and, and, and the foreign policy stuff's going to come up, and the economy's going to come up, and um, sexual identity's going to come up, and everyone's going to have all their different opinions, and there's going to be winners and losers, and there's going to be people that think if one person wins, then the whole world's destroyed. If another person wins, the whole world, right? You know what I'm talking about. And, and so being a person that I want to set us up for success, I thought, you know what? I can't control everything that's going to be happening out there. But what I can do is influence what's going to be happening in here so that we can impact what's going to go on out there. Does that make sense? So I want to set ourselves up for success. So drum roll, you know, right here. Our theme for 2024 is Jesus, period. Jesus, period. And where there's going to be all kinds of noise, and there already is noise, and all kinds of chaos, and all kinds of that crazy stuff, which, you know what? There's a lot of good stuff too, amen? There is a lot of good stuff going on in our world and in our country. But in the midst of all that stuff, what I want us to do, whether we're a Christ follower or not, if we're listening here today, I think the best thing that we could do is Jesus, period. Are you paralyzed by silent fears and silent tears? The answer is Jesus. Are you feeling an impossible situation in which you have nothing or no way to cope? The answer is Jesus. Do you think there's no hope for your loved ones? The answer is Jesus. Do you think failure is final? The answer is Jesus. Do you feel like such an outcast that happiness seems unobtainable? The answer is Jesus. If you think everything is going great in your world and in your life, the answer still is Jesus. It's Jesus, period. Jesus, in the midst of all the change that's going on, is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So with that, I want to lay the foundation for what my heart is for this theme, Jesus, period. And, and you could do with it whatever you need to do and whatever God has put in your heart. But I want you to know what your pastor's heart is for his life, for your life, and for our church's life. And there's, it's threefold with the Jesus period. Number one, I want you to know Christ more. Number two, I want you to trust Christ more. And then number three, I want you to share Christ more. And that's kind of the threefold under this whole idea of Jesus, period. And so um, please um, humor me by listening. Well, I guess, you, I guess you do have a choice. You get up. But humor me for the next 52 minutes. Why are you laughing? You really think? No. Uh, privilege, I, I, I want to share with you. I want to press into what I, I think those three things mean. Does that sound good? Fair? All right, so, so number one, uh, this whole idea to know Jesus more. I want to introduce to you our theme verse. And, and I'm going to share this. And no, I wasn't influenced by Pastor John, who whined all year last year about how long our theme verse was. <laughs> but this one's a short one. I believe in him. I believe in us that we can memorize this. Philippians chapter 121, out of Paul's mouth, he says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Can you say that with me? For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
Let's do that one more time. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And all year long we'll press into that and see what that means. But we're going to scratch the surface about this verse a little bit here today. So number one is, write this down, to know Jesus more. Now, I don't know where you land on the spectrum of knowing Christ. Like, if I were to put out this A to Z, and A is I don't know Christ, and Z is I know him as good as anyone could ever know him, where do you land on that? Like, I know some people that are listening online, some of you that are sitting here, like, this is brand new to you. This whole Jesus thing is brand new to you. And maybe that was something that you said, you know what, I'm going to start coming to church. I've met so many new people people today that are coming to our church. Do you know that on a typical Sunday, we have about 20 to 30 brand new people? Did you know that? And maybe for you, the Christ follower could say, man, I want to start meeting some of those people, you know, and I'm going to be intentional about uh, meeting someone. And the worst thing that could happen to you is say, hey, I'm so-and-so. It's nice that you're here. Is this your first time? And they say, no, I've been coming for 22 years. And you go, well, golly, golly, that was a good one. Uh, Some sound like Gomer Pyle all of a sudden. Uh, it's really good to meet you. That's the worst thing that can happen. But um, so you, you may be brand new and learning about who Christ is, or you've been following him for 50 years. Wherever you're at, I know this one thing, you can know him more. I do know that. You can know him more. And so, so with that, I want you to encounter Jesus this year in a new, fresh way. You see, I think we all could talk about him We can sing about him. We could read about him. But the question is, do we really know him? Your pastor's desire is that you know Christ more in 2024. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let's read these next words together. Ready? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Let's read that again. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. See, I think this is so important. This is, this is what it means to know Christ, is to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider, that means think about. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You want to do life the right way? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Church, I'm the first one to tell you it's easier said than done. Because sometimes the noise is easier to fix my eyes on. Sometimes the heartache is easier to fix my eyes on. Sometimes the chaos is easier to fix my eyes on. Am I the only one? But the author says, fix your eyes on Jesus. And then at the end he says, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We have a men's breakfast every um, Saturday, the first Saturday of every month, I should say. And so we had our very first one for 2024 yesterday. It was a great kickoff. It's a great food and great devotion. It goes from eight to nine. I'd encourage you men uh, to come. And uh, ladies, if, if one of those men is in your life, kick them out of bed and tell them to get to that. Uh, so I got to go to that yesterday. And then uh, immediately after that, I, I jumped in my truck and I raced over 
speed limit to uh, Alamany High School. Um, my son plays for uh, baseball for Oaks Christian, and they had a game yesterday. And so I arrive, and uh, never been there before. Nice little baseball stadium, and there was, I don't know, I think there was like eight really nice seats right behind home plate. I'm not the guy that ever sits behind home plate, but um, I did. So sat down, <laughs> three and a half hour game, but luckily it was a beautiful Saturday, and my son was playing, so it was good. So I sat there, and, and I had a different perspective. And I, I've coached baseball, all my son's teams, for 20-plus for years. But, you know, as a parent, it's just nice just to sit right behind home plate. And it reminded me of a lot of different things. So you've got these, I don't, most of them are probably 16, 17-year-olds. Alamany's team, I'd say most of those kids were 185 to 200 pounds. They were some big boys. And um, so we had this game going on. But uh, <laughs> I saw a lot of pop-ups and a lot of strikeouts. And I'm like, especially for Alamany, I'm like, these are some big boys. They could just look at that ball and it'll go 350 feet over that left field fence. But here's what, here's what I was reminded of. And if you, even if you're not a baseball person, you'll understand this. Like, there's a batter's box, all right? So you get in the batter's box. And baseball is really, really simple. Um, but it's very hard because as a hitter, all you want to do is connect that baseball with this bat. But we know in baseball, if you have a batting average of over 300, that means that you succeed one out of three times. That's, that's not that great, but that's how hard it is to hit these, these baseballs coming at all different speeds, different directions. But one of the things that I noticed, and by the way, we dominated, but... but Sorry, um, was that Christ-like? Probably not. But, but here's, here's what I, I was reminded. These kids are upper echelon, right? They, they've made it through all the little leagues. They've made it onto their high school baseball team. They're, they're some of the better players. And yet they, they struggled. And it was funny because I was reminded of the fact that they were struggling with the same thing that my five and six-year-olds struggled with and my seven-year-olds and my eight-year-olds and nine-year-olds. Because literally, this is how most, most of the kids in the box they're ready, they're ready. Some of them getting their gloves all fancied up and tight and tapping their head three times and doing this and this and, you know. And then, you know, some kids, you know, elbows are up here. You know, Gary Sheffield is like this. And then in baseball, there was Rock Crew that was like down here. And then there was Joe Morgan. He did this, like, I don't know if he was pumping up superpowers or whatever. My favorite, Steve Garvey, that would stand like this and just, you know, like this. But uh, Eric Davis goes to our church. You know, his hands were always right down here, but I was always taught that. But here's what, it doesn't matter how you get in the box. Some guys, they're late. You could drive a truck through them like that. Some guys are like this. What I learned in baseball is you could get into that box and some open up like this and some are tight. Like, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the successful hitter, they all finish with their bat right here and their head right here. Do you see this? Now, if you're a Dodger fan, you remember a guy named Jock Peterson. He always finished with his head up here. Cody Bellinger, you know, I'm sorry. I'm getting picking on some guys. But literally, like they, you swing. So, some of these kids yesterday were swinging so hard. They're trying to hit a ball that's coming this way at 70, 80 miles per hour, and their heads are up here. Why am I going to great lengths sharing all this? Because in order to be a good hitter, you need to fix your eyes on that ball. 
You can't be distracted about what the situation is in the game. You can't be distraction, distracted about what the kids in the other dugout are saying. You can't be distracted even by what your coach is saying. You can't be distracted by all the different things. You're in that box. You got that bat in your hand. You've got one job, and it's to fix your eyes on that ball, to keep your head down, and to do this, and you're going to be successful. Just because you're in the batter's box doesn't mean your eyes are fixed on the right thing just because you're sitting here in a purple chair this morning or wherever you're at online doesn't mean that your eyes are fixed in the right place. Are you with me, church? It's so easy to get in the batter's box because I've played a lot of baseball and it's so easy for me to say all this stuff and still swing and miss because I'm not fixed on the right thing. And as Christ followers, the same is true for us, isn't it? It's so easy to get distracted by all the noise. Even sitting in here, some of you are thinking about where am I gonna eat lunch today? (laughs) The Lord just told me that. (laughs) He gave me some names right now. Do you want me to share those? No. (laughs) Some of you are thinking about work tomorrow and how you've got this agenda that's overwhelming and you've got quotas that you've got to meet and a boss that's not very happy. Some of you are thinking about broken relationships and finance, and that's fair, that's human. But we need to fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. I do. And it's not always easy, amen, church? But it's right. Um, you know, when we fix our eyes on something, that means we're giving attention to it, right? Uh, my first love was in eighth grade. I know most of you, your first grade, third grade, I was late. But talk about baseball. It was my, um, my baseball's coach's sister. I keep wanting to say daughter, but it was sister. There's a big age separation there. And little Amy Trueblood, she'd be at all the practices, and I don't know, 13 years old, probably myself, 13. And cute little girl, talk about hard to fix your eyes, right? So, so, um, you know, baseball teams, they become friends and families, community, and Amy's mom was cool. And one day she kind of saw what was going on. She goes, Robbie, do you want to come over for lunch? Of course, Robbie wanted to come over for lunch. And so uh, I remember it was a bike ride about a block and a half over to Amy's house, and the mom had lunch, and we swam. And uh, this was really cool. Amy played Atari. Yeah, that's how old I am. For some of you guys that don't know, that's a video game system. Especially she played Missile Command. So anyways, the point is, I got to know Amy that summer because we did that often. And spending time with Amy, I got to find out the things she liked and the things that she didn't like. And that's true of any relationship, right? With any of us, when we hang out with each other, that's how we grow, when we spend time with each other. It's not all the things we hear about, it's the things that we experience with one another. If we want to get to know Christ more, we got to get to know Christ more. That means we hang out with him. That means we read his word. That means we pray. And that means we hang out with people that are also going to talk about it. Do you want to know Christ more? Is that something that you desire? Because I can't desire that for you. That's something that you need to want yourself. Does that make sense? 
Yes? And I hope that you're not in that place where you go, well, I know everything about Christ and so I'm good to go. No. Paul's sitting in prison at the end of his life. He started churches. He's raised up pastors. He's sacrificed his life. He's been flogged. I mean, there's so many things that he's done. And we know that Paul says, I still need to know Christ more. So there's never, there's never enough. We could always grow in our relationship with Christ. Amen? And that's with a passion. So my older son, uh, many of you know he's a fireman. Um, for s- true, school was not his favorite thing. Um, I know some of your parents could relate to that. And it was kind of hard. He wasn't your traditional learner, but he gave his best. And he, he, he graduated high school. But just before that, he, he, he really wanted to be a fireman. And so he enrolled himself at 15 years old in a cadet program at Station 106. Happens to be right by our house. There's only two programs like this in all the valley. So he, he enrolled himself, and all of a sudden, he was dedicated to this thing. So much so that, I don't know, out of the 100 plus cadets, uh, the top two cadets got a scholarship, and he was one of the top two cadets. So you and I, as taxpayers, paid for my son to go to school at UCLA, uh, Daniel Freeman. And uh, I remember going to this program, and they opened it up, and they said, hey, your you're, 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 you're boys and girls here, they're going to be going through a program that is basically like getting a doctorate degree, you know, as a doctor, but they're going to do it in two years instead of six to eight. My son, who was not a student, all of a sudden, I found that kid 24-7 sitting in an easy chair that we put in his room studying books this thick. And he just dedicated himself for years and did very well. And praise God, he has a great career as a result of it. Why do I share all that? The reason that Drew was able to succeed is because he really was passionate about becoming a fireman. He wanted to know what he needed to know. And so he put in the time for that. Are you with me? You want to know Christ? I can't want that for you more than you. You've got to want it. And I can encourage you, and others can encourage you, and you can encourage me, and others can encourage me. But do you want to know Christ? Do you have that passion? Do you have that desire to know him, to thirst for him, to hunger for him? Yeah, but pastor, I have doubts, and I have angers, and I have struggles, and I have insecurities, and I have questions, even all revolved around him. You know what? Welcome to being a human being. And I hope that's refreshing for some of you, because some of you, I think, feel guilty that you have doubts and questions and fears in regards to your relationship with Christ. Well, just like any relationship, there's struggles, isn't there? And there's growing pains, but he will help you. And he loves you despite the fact that you may not love him and that you may be mad at him. I say keep investing in knowing him and you'll learn about his grace. Amen? Amen. Philippians 3, 12, Paul is writing this. He says, not that I've already obtained this or already have arrived at my goal, but one I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining. That means there's work involved. Straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love this. Again, this is a man that has done so much in his life for Jesus Christ. And yet we see his desire to know Christ even more. And he was willing to put in this work. 
Do you want to know Christ more? Secondly, to trust Jesus more is a desire I have for you. Philippians chapter 1, 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. I'm sitting here in prison writing this to you guys. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for who? I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more proclaim the gospel without fear. He's saying, man, even though I'm sitting here and I'm looking at death for Christ, if nothing else, it's encouraging my brothers and sisters to have faith all the more, I'm good with it. He says, to continue on, it is that it is It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they could stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Now look at this. I love this. Verse 14, or he says, uh, verse 18. He says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. And then you go down to verse 21, for to me, for to me to live is what? Christ and to die is gain. Again, we see this over and over again in the words that are written in scripture, the words that are up on the screens right here. Here is a man that is saying over and over again, if I were to put this in a nutshell, I'm trusting in Jesus. I, I, I don't like that I'm in chains, but I'm glad I'm in chains as long as the gospel is being preached. I don't know what awaits me, if it's death or if I'm going to be set free, but for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What an amazing perspective on life. He could sit there going, God, you, you, well, there's words I can't say, but you stink. And God, this isn't fair. And God, why is this happening to me? And God, I've, I've, I've raised up pastors. And God, I've, raised, I've started churches. And God, I've sacrificed for you. And I've been flogged for you. And I've almost been put to death for you. And I've gone hungry for you. I've been chased by bandits for you. And by the way, all that stuff's written in 1 Corinthians. And he goes, this ain't fair, this ain't fair. But he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if this is what I have to endure and walk through, I'm going to continue to trust you. That's not easy stuff, is it, church? What is God asking you to trust him with at this moment? How are you? How am I trusting God in this moment? I've shared with you a story that happened, I don't know, probably five, six years ago now. It was with my uncle. Uh, It was in Maui. Uh, I won't get into all the details like I have before, but um, he had hired some private tour guide to take. I think there was myself and him, and then there was like three or four others that joined. And uh, wherever the public was this way, we went that way. And um, I can't even remember the waterfall. I can't remember the rainforest. I can't remember all that stuff. But uh, we went on this hike. And we're trudging through mud and seeing these beautiful flowers and trees. And this guy's telling us everything about everything. And I'm just like, all right, 
when are we done with this thing? And then all of a sudden you hear rushing water and then we get there and, and he goes, here we are, we're at the waterfall. And I have to say, um, standing up, looking down is beautiful. Uh, I think I've said uh, it was like 20 foot. My uncle says, no, no, it's was, it was 30 plus foot. Whatever it was, it was high. And um, we're standing there and it's just rushing over the edge. And there's this guy that I don't even know. I met an hour and a half before and he's the tour guide, and he goes, hey, any of you planning to jump? Let me to give you some rules. And I'm like, I ain't planning to jump. He goes, uh, guys, cross your legs. Self-explanatory. He says, your target is, you see where the waterfall hits, that big splashing that's going on? That's your target. But you need to jump out far enough to where you miss the rocks that are protruding from, you know, the edge here. And he goes, once you hit the water, feet first, arms to your side, you're going to get sucked all the way down. But don't worry. (laughs) And I'm like, don't worry. You're high as a kite, you know, literally. And he goes, you'll get shot back up. But once you get shot back up, you need to swim to the right. See that rock over there? You need to swim to that as fast as you can. Otherwise, you're going to get sucked back down. He goes, bye. And he jumps. And sure enough, boom, he gets sucked in, he gets shot up, and he swims over the side. And I don't know, there's five or six of us standing there, and the guy goes, all good, jumps. Same thing that happens. Next person. Then my uncle goes, you going? I said, no, I'm not going. I'm dead serious. I ain't going. He goes, bye, and he jumps. He's like 60-something years old. Well, everyone jumps, and there's myself and probably a... 19, 20, 21 year old little Japanese girl maybe weighs 100 pounds. And I'm like, I ain't jumping. She ain't, I ain't jumping. Well, my uncle's down there. Come on, Robbie. Yeah, that, that. You know, doing all his antics, right? And he's watching. Yeah, you. <laughs> Jerk. Anyways, just kidding. Just kidding. Weak moment of stupidity. I will never do this again. I jump. And my heart is racing, and it's like time stops still. I'm like, all right, bye West Valley, bye family, bye everyone. I'm dead. This is stupid, but my feet hit the water. I get sucked into what I think is hell. Like, it's all... I get shot up, just like he said, and I swam as hard as I could. And it was only like I don't even think it was 25, 30 feet. And I hugged the rock. And they're all laughing. And I'm hugging this thing. My heart is racing. But then I heard a scream. I look up. That girl jumped. I kid you not, she barely missed that one rock that he said you had to. Like, just missed it. She hit that water. She got sucked in. She got shot up. I'll leave you with that. What do you need to trust Jesus with? And and the reason I share that story, you know what's embarrassing about that story? I trusted a complete stranger more than I've trusted Jesus at times. I think all of us can relate to that. Like, we will trust all kinds of people, all kinds of situations, all kinds of circumstances, but we won't trust Jesus who died for us. Church, What do you need to trust Jesus with in this moment? 
which leads me to the last point, to share Christ, to share Christ more. So I won't leave you hanging with that story. That girl hit the water, she popped up, and she began to swim. She wasn't strong enough, and she started to pull back towards that hole. I have zero clue how and why this all happened, but I literally jumped off that rock and swam, and I grabbed her, and we were both kind of getting sucked, and I just did the one arm as fast as I could and told her to kick, and we made it back to this rock. One of the scariest moments of my life. My uncle would say that I saved her life. I don't know if I saved her life or not, but here's one thing I know. If I had not trusted, I would not have been in a position to then save someone potentially. Are you with me on that illustration? I think God is calling us to trust him. And it might be for a lesson for ourselves or trusting him might put us in a place, a circumstance, an event that allows us to bring someone to Christ. To share Christ with someone in 2024. Has that even crossed your mind? That you would bring someone to Jesus Christ this year? Well, I want to continually remind you in 2024 that God could use you to literally save somebody's life for eternity. And what a blessing it would be to be the one used. Amen? Amen. 2024. Jesus, period. With all the chaos, with all the noise, with all the stuff that's going on, Let's get in that batter's box and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That we would know him more, that we would trust him more, and that we would share him more. That's my heart. Father, do with this what needs to be done. I pray, God, for our church that this would be a a great year where we would get to know you more that we would trust you more and that we'd be able to share you more. I pray that not only for us as a church, but I pray that for each individual here today. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray. All God's people said. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. mercies and your love that you've always shown me you forget all my rebellion